you know, the the leadership, the thought leadership stuff and, and like being um, engaged in communities on podcasts like this, that's what really grows the business. And you have to find ways to offload anything else that you're doing. And that's a real painful thing for us to do is to offload. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Niblack, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Adam. Adam, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Michelle. Good to connect again. We geeked out the last time, so here for more. All right. I'm going to have a ton of fun. Awesome. So give us kind of the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. For sure. So um, prior to all this business adventure, I was a career soldier. Uh, did 12 years active duty U.S. Army and left the service to take a job as a director of operations for one of the now world's largest online music education companies. I helped grow that company from four to 20 people and loved every step of the journey, just building the operating system that ran that business. And now that's exactly what I help entrepreneurs do is get themselves out of the way, empower their team uh, so that they can grow and grow together. Nice. I love it. So what made you decide to go into that aspect of the leadership aspect of things? I kind of fell backwards into it. Honestly, I, I was about 18 months out from getting out of the military and I had a broken an ankle in a training accident, uh, broken my ankle in three different places. And so I found myself on my back for like a month and I'm sure I'm speaking to the choir here. We don't sit still that well, but I had to. So I started reading. I found Russell Brunson that opened up Pandora's box of what internet marketing is. And so I immediately went up work, found a gig doing social media management for this music company. And when I was getting ready to leave, they're like, well, can you come on board full time? We need someone to run operations. It's like, well, what does that mean? I don't know. You'll figure it out. Okay. Then, you know, <laughs> the rest is history, you know, just kind of take the opportunities in front of you. I love, I love it. And I love that kind of entrepreneurialism of, we don't know, but we'll figure it out. As we go. Yes. <laughs> Those are probably some of my favorite jobs all the way through that. So I love it. So now in work, who do you serve and support particularly? Who do you love to work with? I primarily work with online education companies, uh, online courses, particularly that's my passion. I've been teaching since I was 14 years old. I was teaching music lessons at 14 and I love to teach. I'm an, I'm, it's one of those things like once you discover that and you love to teach, you can't turn it off and you just teach every chance you get. So <laughs> love it. So what are some of the things that entrepreneurs aren't doing when uh, that they should be doing kind of in preparation for something like that? For sure. I mean, the biggest thing that we're so neglectful of is just capturing process and building process into our companies. And we make a big thing out of it. Like an SOP has to be this whole like ordeal. It doesn't. SOP can be as simple as just creating a loom video of you doing a process. It doesn't have to be this whole drawn out affair. But when you're building process, when you're documenting what you do, that makes handing it over so much easier. But with that, the first step is honestly a mindset step. And it's honestly just saying, I'm not the best at doing everything in the world. And I don't have to be the best at doing everything in the world. We all have our own superpowers, our own super strengths. 
And yeah, we get stuck in the day-to-day of the business. And sometimes that's like fun to do because it's busy work and it keeps us occupied. But that's not what's actually going to grow your business forward. It's, you know, the the leadership, the thought leadership stuff and, and like being um, engaged and in communities on podcasts like this. That's what really grows the business. And you have to find ways to offload anything else that you're doing. And that's a real painful thing for us to do is to offload but you got to get over yourself. And believe me, preaching in the choir, I've had to look in the mirror before and do this myself, even at the director of operations role. We're always offloading, always looking for ways to bring more support into what we're doing. I love it. So what are some of the pillars that you're working with that you're teaching people? Okay, we have to have these things in place. So um, the first is just an organizational system for everything that you're doing. I'm a big firm believer in, in organizing everything that's going on in the business in a project management system. Um, and it doesn't matter which one it's Monday or ClickUp or Asana doesn't matter. I have my favorite and I'm not going to get into a turf war over which one's the best. <laughs> what you like is the best one for you. And that's just, let's get that right out in front. But it's a lot of times when we're working with that kind of software, we tend to only think of projects and organizing the bigger stuff inside that type of software. But so much of what's going on in our company is the recurring projects, the recurring tasks that have to happen every single day just to make the company move forward. Even simple things like customer service tickets, posting stuff to social. We want to represent everything that we're doing inside the company, inside our project management, and then we're positioned to grow the company. Uh, The other thing is a communication structure within the team. Uh, We can't leave this all to chance. We need to have regular interactions with our team members. That can be as simple as a five-minute video of you talking to Loom just to give your team an update on what's going on in the company. More communication is better. And when we structure our company, when we get into a cadence of how we're communicating with our team, boy, that's how we move forward. And that's how we move forward faster. It really helps to cement those relationships with your team members. And that's a that's a two-way street, not only you to your team members, but your team members back to you. So you get that real community feel, you build a, a company culture. And that is just, it's been such a big factor in how I've been able to grow a company. Nice. So talk to me about hybrid teams, because I know a lot of people, especially when they start and now, <laughs> so there's kind of bigger companies are starting to take on hybrid teams as well. So they'll have some that are all internal, some that are external, some that are contractors. Like, how mm-hmm. do you bring those kind of teams together? And I say that I think it's becoming more common now because everybody's working virtually, but I still know, you know, bricks and mortar companies like big oil and gas companies that have their internal employees, they have external contractors and they have like, so talk to me about that and how you help people communicate there. Uh, to be totally honest, I have only worked in fully remote companies for the last five years. Uh, so even the thought of an office that's not my office kind of scares me. I cannot imagine <laughs> going enough. back to that type of relationship. Um, the one thing I did know, because we did that in the military a lot where we would be geographically dispersed. I'd be on the other side of the planet, but I'd still have a boss back in Fort Bragg or back in Florida at CENTCOM or or SOCOM that I'd have to communicate with. I would say that, you know, the biggest thing that happens with those hybrid relationships and this remote relationships as well is time zones are such a tricky, finicky thing. Yes, they are. (laughs) 
if only, only gets... we could just do it all at the same time zone that'd be perfect <laughs> correct uh there are so many tools right now out there that enable at least keeping on the same page as far as like what time zone we're talking about um i would just strongly encourage you adopt a company time zone this and when we say the time this is the company time zone and everything will be referred to in that time zone but just from a pure leadership perspective i think it's it's tempting for us to want to say well i'm the boss i'm the leader you meet on my time zone but sometimes it's going to be up to us to leverage ourselves outside of our own comfort zone outside of our own schedule if we have geographically dispersed team members and sometimes something as simple as coming in late night for us but normal time for them it's just those little rapport building things that you can do with your team that it's not the most convenient thing for us as the leaders but it pays off dividends and then when you're asking for it in a reciprocal way definitely uh you're more likely to get it without the pushback that you're going to get for sure i love it and when it comes to kind of, you were saying just even if it's an update from the head of the company, kind of in a Loom video, because mm -hmm. I notice a lot of people, especially when they start to, they don't have enough team to have middle management, but they have more than enough teams <laughs> that they're kind of going, okay, I'll meet with you on Friday. I'll meet with you on Tuesday. I'll meet with you. And it becomes kind of this sporadic meetings and all of a sudden the data becomes siloed. How do you yes. how do you make sure that everybody's kind of continually on the same page, even though they're like they got their project and they're doing it great? But how do we keep everybody in the loop of everything that's going on? That's a great question and one that there's so many the imperfect answer for. <laughs> exactly. What I will say about meetings is that if they're not predictable, if they're not there's not a stability to it, you're introducing chaos into your life and into your business and as much as we like to pretend that we are just these visionaries that love to whatever. No, we all like structure. Okay. Structure is good for all of us. And when we introduce structure, everyone's better for it. What I found to work incredibly well is at the start of week to have a full team meeting and to try to get everything that has to go out to the whole team. Even if, okay, for two minutes, I'm going to go talk to this person over here, but everyone's present for that that really gets the work, the week flowing in the right direction. From that point point on, I like to do departmentals. So if you have a couple of people working in marketing, a couple of people like in sales or customer service or, or uh, product development, if we can silo those meetings into their own separate departmental, then we're at least getting our team members together. We're setting the stage for further team growth. So if you bring someone else on into that department, there's already a structure they're falling into. Um, so that that's how it handle more of the sporadic where you don't need the whole team. And really that five minute, five to 10 minute update every day, it's designed to be a coverall where I might only talk for 30 seconds about one area, 30 seconds about another area, but it's a one place for everyone to kind of get their update and their marching orders for the day. And it just, it has a great way of getting a whole lot of information out in a very short period of time. I love that. So what would you say is your favorite part of your business? My favorite part right now, it's, I get to work with operators. I get to work with the second command in, in so many companies now, which is one of the more neglected areas of online businesses that I've seen. There's a ton of resources for, for entrepreneurs, ton of resources for visionaries. That second command kind of gets 
okay, you'll figure it out. And I've met some amazing, incredible people. And to to give them those tools, they all want to be better leaders for their team. And when the, those lights start to come on, come on and they are able to see the impact that they have with their team, oh, it's so amazing. So rewarding to see that. I love that. So it has not been my experience in in terms of operations that it's kind of the best person doing the task gets put into operations. Operations, in my experience, has always had a unique kind of leadership experience. But um, yes. kind of what's happening in your uh, in your companies, and uh, what do you see is kind of one of the the best ways to hire into that position? Mm. That's a very good question. A lot of the companies I've worked with kind of had that person who had fallen into the role, much like I fell into it before. Uh, what we're looking for really when we're thinking about that second command, we have to think of leadership from two different perspectives. The visionary, and the CEO is, they're the creative leader for the team. They're providing the vision and the inspiration for everyone to follow. The operator, that second command is the emotional leader of the team. They're the team, they're the person that everyone is going to bring their problems to, everyone's going to bring their celebrations to, their gripes, their complaints, everything. So you need to be someone who's able to be empathetic without being sympathetic, if that makes sense. You need to be able to hear what they're saying without necessarily taking it to heart, without being becoming upset by it yourself, finding ways to help solve the problems for your team members so they can continue on with their best work. Um, and that takes practice. It takes some <laughs> discipline to be able to do that. And I would be lying if I said I could do it right away. I come from a military background. We're used to just telling people shut up and get over it. So this has definitely taken some a lot of work on my side to become more of this empathetic person. It's not in my nature. Um, what? That doesn't work in corporate? You can't get away with that? <laughs> no, believe it or no. not. No, it doesn't work. Um, but it also has to be someone who's incredibly organized, who's able to see the big picture um, I like to think of an operator as a 50% tactician and a 50% visionary. A good second command is able to talk with the CEO about the big picture vision, work on the strategic plans with the company, with the CEO, and then turn around and make it into something tangible for the team to do. And it's actually that mixed mesh of 50% this and 50% the other. It, it's definitely a Frankenstein. It's a hybrid. We are the oddballs and, and, <laughs> lean into it, except that you're weird. I love it. Right. But it, it's it's having our fingers in both sides of the equation that really helps us see the whole picture and be a really source of strength for the company. I love it. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories of one of your clients. Oh my goodness. There's a client of mine. His name's Chris. He's in Germany. So he's been working marketing for several years for uh, another music company out of Germany and came to me a couple months ago saying, I want to start my own agency. I have this, I have this vision and I kind of know what it looks like. And I said, okay. And I started working with him and we talked a lot about strategic planning and how to really come up with your big, big, big picture vision, then how to make it that tangible. Here's what we're going to do this quarter. So he's off and running right now. He launched his uh, agency a couple of months ago, starting to sign clients, starting to get that that wonderful um, momentum that you start to feel at the early stages of business. 
But what I really love is this, and this was such a cool moment. He was working through a strategic vision, and I have some uh, guiding documents and lessons that I use to help teach this. And he came to me and I said, he said, I couldn't believe this. I was working on my company and my daughter, my 12-year-old was watching me. My 12-year-old is into arts and crafts. And she had this idea for an Etsy store and couldn't figure out how to get it going. So she made me print out copies of your training and I gave it to her and she's launching her Etsy store next week. She figured what? out how to get from vision to launch and he said, it's so cool because this program, this system you designed is big enough and expansive enough for me to design an agency, but simple enough for a 12-year-old to go, oh, got it. <laughs> so awesome. I love that. And just warms cockles in my heart when we get the next generation already starting and <laughs> bringing the creativity oh, to the world. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, so, now now I'm going to be have my own kids bugging me for it now that I say tell this story. Right. But. Awesome. So what are some of the stumbling blocks, some of the the things that people aren't catching on to and they're frustrated in their business and going, oh my God, Adam, I need you so badly right now. The number one stumbling block that I'm guilt, I've been guilty of myself is being too involved in transactional management. If you are, if you have your hands around your company and you're just gripping it and trying to hold on and control everything, it's only a matter of time before things fall apart. It's only a matter of time before, most importantly, you fall apart. And I remember the moment that happened to me like it was yesterday. It was 24 hours before Black Friday, two years ago. And my whole back seized up because I had been carrying the entire company on my back without giving my team a vision for how to do their roles without my involvement. And it got so bad. I couldn't, I'm not even kidding. I couldn't feel my right hand for a week. Wow. But I still had to work because we were in the middle of Black Friday and I hadn't enabled anyone to help me. I had to manage that campaign. So I was typing, but couldn't feel the keyboard, which was crazy. And we still did a quarter of a million dollars in sales. But it was a big learning point for me as I have to figure out a way to embolden and enable my team rather than just grip everything like in a death grip. Instead, move to a more transformational leadership model where I'm teaching them, I'm coaching them, I'm guiding them instead of trying to be the boss of everything. Love that. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? The best place is my podcast. Uh, it's called the Smooth Operator Podcast. No reference to the song, um, but um, yeah, and you can find it on any of your favorite podcast players. Um, you can also just go to adamliette.com, A-D-A-M-L-I-E-T-T-E.com slash podcast. That'll take you direct to it. And yeah, you get a lot of the tactical nitty gritty on that show. And I have a really awesome episode getting ready to release with michelle as well so ah stay tuned awesome so i get to ask you now at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to become an entrepreneur i it's pretty new to me to be honest it's only about 18 months Fine. um 
I didn't see myself going down this path. I went and got an MBA thinking I'm going to be a Fortune 500, wear a suit every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, life's funny that way. It was a, but about 18 months ago, it was when I really discovered I am an operator through and through. And when I knew who I was and I was felt so aligned with that, there's this, that funny moment when you look in the mirror and everything's right. Nice. And it was the passion that lo- led me to it. And now that I'm on this path, it's, boy, it's fun, isn't it? It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. It's everything. So I, I love that. Well, and it reminds me, I, uh, for, <laughs> I, I have run my business exactly backwards to what everybody says I should be doing. Started off as a consultant, went into coaching and started an agency. <laughs> That's the opposite of what everybody else does. And I started doing uh, the tactical stuff and I was, I, I drove myself insane and I went, okay, we need to fire her because she sucked at this job. (laughs) I don't ever want to see her doing project management ever again. You know, strategy. Yes. Fantastic. But this whole project management stuff, she's got to go. So I fired myself (laughs) rapidly and went, you know, there, there's just some things I'm good at and strategy. I can talk strategy all day long. Any, you can give me the most inane thing. Like, you know, I used to be a fisherman and I want to take a basketball. How do I meld these two companies together in order to make it one efficient thing? And we will come up with something like I can totally right. make it happen and it'll be a great idea and you'll have fun doing it. But this whole project management stuff, it was like, I'd come back to the team and go, hey, we got this plan. It's going to be awesome. And we got to do this that, and the other thing. And all the techies are like, okay, so what's the, and then they throw acronyms at me. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so not- that's, that's your job to figure out. <laughs> I did the strategy. Apparently you need to have another meeting with the client and figure all that stuff out. Yeah. So yeah, we immediately restructured how that whole <laughs> process of conversation and communication went down because yeah when you when you find your thing though uh Mm -hmm. i find it 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 really is and let's talk about this one for a little bit because i think people underestimate how important it is to take something that is innately easy for you that you just happen to be really good at and they underestimate it thinking that if i don't work hard at it i'm not good at it or i don't deserve the accolades that i'm getting or whatever so when it comes to operations people, how does that usually go down for them? What kind of things might they be doing in the world right now? And they're just going, ah, this is so not me. I don't get it. Like I'm frustrated. And, and when they slip into that operation side of things and they're like, Ooh, I know how to talk two languages. <laughs> right. Right. How does that go down? I, for me, it was, I was trying to be a marketer for a long time because that's like operator. That's like, that's like the, what you're one of those weirdos. Like in my, in my world, like being a marketer is like, that's a sexy job. Like, Oh, that's cool. I was trying to be that for so long and and I can do marketing. Like I'm probably like a B plus B marketer. But I'm not. I'm like I'm not built to be an A plus marketer, and and I, I I get that now. I understand that, and so I'm going to surround myself with people smarter than me that know that, and and leverage where I'm at the best. Um. But I, I think, you know, I I was just interviewing another operator, and she had been reviewing like her past three years of 
before she went out on her own, she had had a job, and she was reviewing some of her her reviews, and all of her bosses were telling her the whole way, like, "You're so good at this. You're so good at this." And but she had this perception that it was like this nerdy thing. And it was when she said, "Well, but this is what I like. This is what I do. I this is my three a.m. moment. This wakes me up in the middle of the night." And I'd say just be who you are, you know, trust that God put you on this earth for a reason. You were given special skills. You were given your unique personality, your unique traits, and lean into that. Even if it's not operations, if it's something else, what you were made to be on this earth to do, there's a way to make a living off of it and just be yourself first and everything else will fall into line. Love it, love it. Adam, you've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Oh, just thank, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's, it's, as you can tell, I love nerding out on this stuff. It's, it's a real passion and just helping companies grow. I mean, it's what I love to do. And I love to just make sure that we're putting people in the right place where they can have success and where we can lead teams and just a rising tide lifts all boats. I 100% believe that. And it's possible for all of you out there and man, entrepreneurs are changing the world Keep doing what you're doing and thank you for, for your contribution. I love it. And peeps out there, if we've raised a ton of questions for you, go and get a hold of Adam and get the answers that you're looking for from him because he has a plethora of information and you're going to love having the conversations with him. So excellent. Thank you, Adam, again for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you, Michelle. Have a great day. You Peeps, this is Michelle Nedlock. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.